Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we start a short sermon series this morning, E-Cubed, or Endless Easter Encouragement, we hear from God as He speaks through the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. A lot of you like to follow along in the Pew Bible. This is on page 1188. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. With a show of hands, would you let me know if you've never attended a Christian funeral? That's pretty good. Last night there were some of the young people who sang who raised their hand. When I lived on campus... I would be here to greet the funeral director, bringing the body into the church for a funeral, and often would bring my son with me because there was nobody at home to watch him. And a lady from the congregation who saw this lambasted me, and she said, kids shouldn't be exposed to death. Well, I tend to disagree. And to this day, 20-some years later, my son still asks every time I'm coming to a funeral or tell my wife about a death, is he, is she in heaven? I think it goes without saying that when we gather for a funeral of a loved one, we do so with heavy hearts and sad souls, don't we? A part of our life is gone. Memories are so powerful and as a result, our eyes so easily fill with tears and our hearts with sadness as we remember times that we spent with mom or dad, brother or sister, son or daughter. The grieving process, while maybe not natural, because death is unnatural, is certainly human. And we should never feel guilty about grieving the earthly loss of a loved one. Even Jesus wept as he stood outside the grave of his dear friend Lazarus, and this in spite of the fact that he knew he was going to bring Lazarus back from the dead in just moments, and that one day, Easter Sunday, he too would rise from the dead. We cry, we weep 
at the death of our loved ones, don't we? But God powerfully reminds us this morning that when we do, we're weeping only for ourselves. He reminds us that our brothers and sisters in the faith who have passed haven't really died, not as he defines death, but are only sleeping. As we today begin this short three-part series, Endless Easter Encouragement, we're going to see that Jesus' resurrection from the dead redefines our death and the life that we live in light of his resurrection from the dead. In the beautiful text that God the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write to Christians a lot like you and me many years ago, he gives us this comforting assurance, we will never die. We will rest through the risen Jesus. We will rise by the risen Jesus. We will be united with the risen Jesus. A text that's 2,000 years old. The object of these words, the folks living in Thessalonica in the first century A.D. had all kinds of questions and, and doubts and worries about those who had died. They were worried about how Jesus coming back on Judgment Day would affect them. Would those who had died and were being raised go to heaven first? Were those who were alive and hadn't died yet go to heaven first? And so Paul writes these words to these folks to answer their questions, to calm their fears, and to set their hearts at rest. And doesn't God need to do that same thing for us today too? Note first of all how Paul speaks in these verses about those who have died in the Lord. Three different times in these verses, Paul uses the word sleeping or asleep to those who have died as believers in Jesus. This is no different than the word that Jesus used when he talked about Lazarus who had died and had been in his tomb for four days. The same word that Jesus used when he referred to Jairus' daughter who had died. It's the same word that Luke used when he referred to Stephen who had been stoned to death. The point is this, just as a night's sleep brings much-needed rest to our bodies and our minds, so also does death. Jesus makes this wonderful invitation to us. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And when we die, as believers in the Lord, we find that invitation fully realized. We find rest from the weariness of life. And we find peace, real peace, eternal peace, from the heavy weight of our sins and from the guilt and shame and of, of an accusing conscience. In the book of Revelation, John writes, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on, for they will rest from their labor. And in the book of Hebrews, God says, There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God, for anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. And that's not all. Just as sleep doesn't end our existence, neither does death. Oh, it may bring to an end our enjoying the 
temporal blessings that God gives us, but when we die, we begin to enjoy the eternal blessings of God. And who of us doesn't want to make that trade-off? That's why Jesus could say to the penitent thief hanging on the cross next to him on Good Friday, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. And that's why the apostle Paul, as he struggled between earth and heaven and staying here and going home, could say that he preferred to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Now, why can I, why can Paul, why can the Scriptures talk about death as only asleep? Paul today gives us the answer. He directs our attention to the Son of God and the Savior of the world, that is Jesus. He directs our attention to the one who died and was rose again. And those two are important. Jesus suffered and died on the cross to make payment for all the world's sins, yours and mine. And then he came back from the dead. He rose on Easter Sunday to give us the guarantee that that payment for sin was accepted by his Father in heaven. Paul says the same thing when he writes, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. As one of my seminary professors would say, and he'd write it across the old green chalkboard with yellow chalk, Jesus' death paid for my sins. His resurrection proves it. That's why we call our graveyard a cemetery a word that means resting place. That's why if you go into our cemetery, our resting place, you'll find on numerous tombstones, asleep in Jesus. We know that when we die, we who have put our faith and our trust, our confidence in Jesus, will find rest for both body and soul in heaven. And there's more. When our body is placed into the ground at our burial, it won't stay there. Some of you who have attended burials where I have presided have heard me tell you that my dad, who was a pastor, often would come home and say to my mom, Well, hon, I planted another one for the harvest. And that's what a Christian burial is. It's putting this body that has died into the ground to be raised at the great harvest, the great resurrection of the dead on the last day. The time will come, Paul tells us, when the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Now, there are the parts of the Bible that talk very plainly and painfully to those folks who have rejected Jesus, who die without Jesus, but here, here Paul is talking to you and me as believers in the Lord, assuring us that when we meet Jesus on Judgment Day, he'll have a smile on his face that goes from ear to ear. Now, Paul doesn't paint the full picture of what will happen on Judgment Day. He doesn't tell us all the things about heaven, but he does put enough paint on the canvas to keep our eyes focused 
and to keep us dreaming about it. I belong to a small group that doesn't necessarily follow what we encourage people to do with the group work on the back of the worship folder. And we're currently going through a study of heaven and hell. In our last Bible study, the leader opened it up for us to dream about what heaven might be like. Tom Schiebel, where are you? I know you're here. Do you think in heaven you'll be taking pictures? Tom loves taking pictures. If you do, they'll all turn out just fine. Don Wege, you think in heaven you'll be doing any woodworking? Yeah, if you are, you won't cut off any fingers. Everything will look just fine. Paul Lindemann, one of our members who went home to heaven this last year, who had no hip, I believe he had gone through in the teens or 20s of hip surgeries, had the dream of kicking field goals in heaven. If he did, he's never missing. And Jason told me this morning that he kind of likes golf. You think they'll be golfing in heaven? If you are a golfer in heaven, it'll all be whole in one. It's fun to dream about heaven. And where God hasn't told us, we are allowed to dream. But where God has told us, that's where we fall. And so Paul here tells us that on the last day, Jesus will return visibly, we will see him, and he will come back in great glory. When the trumpet sounds assembly, from Jesus' lips will come this resounding command, John says, a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. And we will have glorified bodies, heavenly bodies, these bodies, but they'll be made fit for heaven. Paul writes to the Philippians, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform, will change our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. And then adding a little more meat to the bone, Paul writes to the Corinthians, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, we won't all be dead at judgment day, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. In other words, we who are still alive on Judgment Day, and those who have died and are raised from their graves, will all meet the Lord in the air to enter heaven at the same time. So that Paul can say, we will be with the Lord forever. We can dream about heaven. Heaven is a place of perfection and joy and glory. A place where there is no more death or mourning or crying or pain, Revelation tells us. But its greatest blessing, its greatest blessing is that we will be united with Jesus and reunited with all of our Christian loved ones who have gone before us. In fact, in heaven, we'll be free from all the effects of sin because there's no sin in heaven. In fact, in the vision that Jesus gives John, John sees that the old order of things has passed away. Think of it. No anger, 
no anguish, no divorce, no discord, no cancer, no crime, no hospitals, no rehab centers, no hospice care. And marvel of all marvels, we will stand with Jesus. We'll see him with these eyes, we'll hear him with these ears, and we'll feel his loving embrace holding us. In one word, incredible. Listen to the vivid imagery that the prophet Isaiah uses as he describes heaven. He's writing to an Old Testament people, and so much of his phraseology is what they can understand, but we certainly can too. See, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create, for I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. I will rejoice over Jerusalem and take delight in my people. The sound of weeping and of crying will be heard in it no more. Never again will there be in it an infant who lives but a few days or an old man who does not live out his years. The one who dies at a hundred will be thought a mere child. The one who fails to reach a hundred will be considered accursed. They will build houses and dwell in them. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of a tree, so will be the days of my people. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. For they will be a people blessed by the Lord, they and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox, and dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. How true it is that death comes cruelly and leaves behind gaping holes in our relationships. When I meet with families before a funeral, which will happen this afternoon, I'll meet with them in the mother's room, which we tend to call the cry room on days of funeral. We all are aware of these things. But the separation we experience here, my friends, is only temporary. It will be reversed in heaven. In heaven, all of God's people from every corner of the globe, from Adam and Eve till the end of time, will be gathered into one family in Jesus. We'll see Jesus. We'll hear Jesus. We'll feel him giving us a big bear hug. And we'll join our voices with all the saints and angels in singing the eternal praises of him who died and rose again. When God gently takes us by the hand and leads us before Jesus' cross and in front of his open and empty tomb, everything changes for us. Death is changed. 
For you and me, death is no longer this exit into gloom, but an entrance into glory. God's glory and our own. We can only imagine what living in heaven will be like, and we are free to dream. To every one of us comes this endless Easter encouragement, you will never die. Encourage each other with these words. Amen. Now the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.